Listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Excited to be here. We're uh, continuing on in our sermon series, asking for a friend. And uh, I just got to say, if you've missed any of this, or you just came back, or you've missed any part of this sermon series, uh, a particular the kickoff sermon that Greg did for this sermon series has gone a little bit viral. It's one of our highest kind of trending messages, and it was about: Is it okay to have doubt? And what happens with doubt and how do you reconstruct your faith? And he had some great visuals up here and people that were involved in that. And I would highly, highly encourage you, if you missed that sermon, to go to our website or wherever and listen to that because it's talking about, is it okay to doubt? And what does it look like when you have to, uh, when your faith is constructed and when it's deconstructed and sometimes when it's demolished? And how do you pick those pieces up and how do you replace them and put them back into your life to have a foundation of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done and how it uh, works into your life. And then last week, Logan, our uh, our youth pastor, who's on his way to Istanbul, Turkey, to spend 10 days studying in the biblical land of Turkey. Um, Super excited for him. We're investing in him. You're investing in him. We're investing in him. And we're super excited for as he comes back uh, with that. But he got to preach on a topic that he was very bold that he had handled. It was so funny in Sermon Club. He's like, yeah, I wrote a paper on that. Got it. And then he looked at his paper. He wasn't real impressed with his paper. And one thing I appreciate about his message last week uh, is that he is here and he's wrestling. And you could see the tension of him wrestling and struggling as he's trying to work through that very difficult topic of why does a good God allow bad things to happen? And that's what I appreciated about him. Like, not that we're here to, to provide that answer to everything or that, that we always have the answers, but that he is willing to go through the struggle. He's willing to wrestle. He's willing to ask questions. He's willing to provide resources that are helping him go through, through those things. And so super excited about that. Uh, I have the next several weeks in this sermon series. You know, uh, we do this thing called discipleship at Real Life. And so like I'll preach like 35 times a year and the other 17-ish times we're going to have other people up here that are gifted, that we're discipling, that we're mentoring, that we're coaching, that we're helping as we expand God's kingdom because this has never been about one man or one voice. This is a collection of voices, and we have a collection of voices that help build our sermons as well. And so uh, I get the privilege of running a little bit here. We're going to talk about this question of asking for a friend. Um, Aren't people who believe in the Bible ignoring science? Like, okay, interesting question. So that particular question Um, if you're asked that question or if you've ever been asking that question, realize that it requires a lot more follow-up questions. Aren't people who believe in the Bible ignoring science? No. Thank you very much. See you next week. Like, time out. Like, it's deeper than that. And our faith is deeper than that. And science is deeper than that. The heart behind this series as we were developing it, my heart behind it, um, was to, I want the people of our church, the people who call real life home, to engage with their faith. And not just engage to it on the topics that you already agree about. But to do the hard work of engaging in the hard questions that don't have the easy answer. 
that you can't quote just a Bible verse 4 and it's fixed in your life. To know that questioning is at the very heart of learning. That it's okay to ask questions. But we have to do the work. You're not going to get the answer to this question in, in 25 minutes from this particular pastor or any particular pastor, in my opinion. Aren't people who believe in the Bible ignoring science? Make some assumptions that aren't true. And the first assumption that I think is not true is the Bible and science don't have to fight. Who said they were fighting? Who put them at odds against each other? And why would they be put at odds against each other? Or are they actually? I was kind of naive enough to think that this topic was not a big issue. And then I started doing some more research on it, and I was like, wow, I've been out of the loop for a while. I kind of had settled this in my mind with the books that I read and the research that I had done years and years ago. And I was like, yep, they can coexist. Cool, moving on. But the rest of the world, I didn't move on with me. And so are they at odds? Should this be a fight? If you believe in God, then, then do you just disregard science and, and disregard the great things that science has brought up? By the way, who invented science? Where did that come from? Did that come from the mind of man? When we're doing the hard work of building our faith and understanding our faith, don't just let some expert in science or in the Bible tell you what to think. Don't just let some expert in science or in the Bible tell you what to think. You have a great brain, and there's lots of resources that you can read and understand and look, and you can form your own solid opinion. Because as soon as, remember those bricks that were up here? As soon as you land on an opinion, on, on opinion and you base it off of the, 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 the opinion of man and somebody kicks that brick out from underneath your foundation, you have a problem. And so it needs to be your foundation that is examined and viewed so what is science? Many of you in here have far more science experience than I do. But science is defined as the intellectual and practical activity encompassing the systematic study of structure and behavior of the physical and natural world through observation and experiment. Now, how can all of those words fight with the Bible? There's different types of science, astronomy, astrology, biology, uh, uh, physics. There's all kinds of mathematics. There's lots of different science. The three main branches would be physical science, earth science, and life science. So you have this science over here, and I think it's been portrayed in an improper place by Christians, that you have to fight it, that it is against you. And that's not the case because I believe that science was ordained and God created. And science is pretty amazing. Do you know, had science not continued to move on, I would not be here. Anybody, well, you don't have to raise your hand, but I'll raise my hand. If you were born via cesarean section, you could raise your hand. Oh, that's, wow. Like, there's a lot of us. Maybe you don't know. You're like, that's gross. No. Uh, but, like, there's a lot of us. So what would have happened to us uh, 300 years ago? Either our moms would be dead or we would be dead, or both. 
Guess what has helped that not happen? Science. And God revealing to smart minds to study the human body, to understand it at a, at a level that allows life to continue on when maybe it wouldn't have 300 years ago. So now let's talk about this other piece of it. We have science over here, big science, oh, science. And then we have the Bible. And understand, and people, when I say Bible to like the normal world, they're like, oh yeah, that book with stories and fables and stuff in it. Yeah, the one that most American households have three of them. And that 11% of the people in this room have read this, that book cover to cover. Some of us are like, oh, that was me. One time. 9% of us have read it more than one time. So let's, since we're all experts in science and we're all experts in the Bible, let's make them fight. They don't have to fight. The Bible is the Christian scriptures consisting of the Older and Newer Testament. It's written over uh, about 1,500 years or 66 uh, books. Bible, Bibliotheca, means books. So 66 separate volumes with 40, roughly 40 authors. There's historical narratives. 43% of it's about history. And it gives uh, factual retelling of real world events. 43% of your Bible does that. There's the law which is the scriptures that outlines commands, which is incident interesting about certain things about the law and how it relates to science and how following some of God's ideas were healthier than not following God's ideas. Never mind. Just, you know, they're fighting each other. They're not. Uh, the Bible is also poetry and wisdom literature, uh, prophecy, apocalyptic literature. There's this thing called the Gospels. And there's this thing called the Letters. So I think it's very important to keep the Bible and science in context and not have to put your fist up every time somebody wants to talk to you. If somebody asks you that question, you know, aren't you just, uh, uh, you know, aren't people who believe in the Bible just ignoring science? You'd be like, all right, let's go. Because that's the way Jesus would have handled it. Start punching people in the face. Ask questions. What do you mean by that? Well, and then it goes on to whatever it is. Is it creation they want to talk about? Do you want to argue, argue about creation? Is that the main point? Is that exactly everything that Genesis 1 was telling us? And that has to fight with science now? I don't think so. When you understand the Bible in context, it's an amazing book. And missing things in and out of context with science also messes things up. You ever heard of uh, uh, the idea, have you heard the saying, you know, that person's blind as a bat? My dad used to say that to me because he was blind as a bat. You know one thing I just found out? Bats aren't blind. <laughs> they can see. They, they use multiple senses to do things. It's out of context. They're not blind. We discovered they can see. And we're learning things about science that science didn't know. And it's changing. Does science have permission to change? Does science have permission to grow? Does science need grace and love and compassion from its Christian community? Yes. 
Now, as we understand more about the text, does the Bible change? Nope, those words are already written. But as we're understanding and learning more about the Bible and more about context, it might change our perspective on things that the Bible says. And when we have this narrative that the Bible... Am I yelling? All right, let me slow down. I was at a conference this week. I'm a wild man right now. I spent 16 hours with some of the best teachers in the world learning about John and the gospel of John. I'm I'm fired up. I got all kinds of things to say that have nothing to do with this. Darn it. Um, But as we understand the text and more things are revealed to us and we understand who it was written to, what the location was, what was going on, what the culture was like then, and we don't just do a surface level reading of how it applies to me in my American world today... Does that change? Is the Bible a science book? Is that what it was designed for, is to debate science in the, in the 2000s? No. So having the Bible in its uh, uh, place and understanding and context and not just believing everything we've heard. You know, what was that fruit that Adam and Eve ate in the garden? Let me say it. An apple? Is that what it says? No, it says it's a forbidden fruit. Who made it an apple? We did. Somebody did, right? Remember the three wise men? Me neither. They're not in there. And so part of it is understanding and having biblical literacy the best that we can. And that's my hope for our church. That's my hope is that we choose to engage not just on Sunday for 25 minutes with some... This is not the best sermon in the world. We come here for community and connection and the Holy Spirit falls upon us and maybe we'll hear something from his word that changes us and moves us. But if it's, if it's about being inspired to serve, it's about being inspired to engage and to love our scientists. The Bible was not written to explain all of science. It's not a science manual. And, the, and science isn't being developed to explain the Bible. They're not at odds. Not all, not all scientists are at odds. If you, kind of, you kind of hear this giant loud voice, and it's almost like if you can scream louder, then you're right. And what are the loud voices that are screaming about science? Well, Darwin, we got this, Darwinism, we got you know, Stephen Hawking, we, got, like, we give you all these great voices. Are there, is there anybody else that thinks differently? What about the science community as a whole? What do they think? Like all of them. In 2009, Pew did a research survey of scientists who are members of the American Association for the Advancement of Science. Any members of that in here? Dang it. Used to be. All right, love it. Um, Over 120,000 scientists in this. Do you know that out of these 120,000 scientists, when they do this survey, 33% of them believe in God? God of the Bible, they, they are like professing Christians, 33% of these scientists. Another 18% believe in a higher power. So 51% of all of these science that are part of this association, 51% of these scientists are like, like, we can't explain it all. There's something more that we don't understand. Does that seem like the narrative and the voice that you're hearing in the community is half 
I'm not sure that it is. You know, there's actually a lot of science in the Bible that was revealed when, later when we understood science. Uh, I don't necessarily know that, that it's what the text was exactly communicating, but when you read the verses, like in Job 26, 7, I was kind of doing some more Job work after, um, after Logan was sharing with us last week. Job 26, 7, he spreads out the northern skies over empty space, and he suspends the earth over nothing. 700 B.C.-ish, 5 to 700 B.C.-ish is when the book of Job was written. And they're talking about suspending the earth over nothing. What do we know about that right now? Oh, interesting. But that's not what it was trying to say. But no, but it's talking about that. It's developing. It's realizing things. The earth free floats in space, unaffected only by gravity. Hebrews 11.3, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Creation is made out of particles, indiscernible to our eyes. We didn't even know this until the 19th century. It was discovered that all visible matter consists of invisible elements. Hmm. Genesis 6.15 talks about building the ark, and you're supposed to build this ark, and it's going to be cubits. It's, you know, uh, this 300 cubits long and, uh, and 50 cubits wide and 30 cubits high. Those are interesting dimensions. Are any boat builders still using those dimensions? of how things float and how things work. Hmm. Genesis 1. Listen to this. This is great. In the beginning, remember that, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light and there was light. The first three verses of Genesis accurately express all known aspects of creation. Some, our science expresses the universe in terms of time. How long things have taken. Time, in the beginning. Well, what is the beginning? What part of time is that? Oh, it's at the beginning of time. Okay, makes sense. Um, space, matter, and energy. In the beginning, time, God created the heavens, space, and the earth, matter, and then said that, let there be light, energy. Ah, okay. Makes sense. So, uh, you are not less than because you have faith in God. Your faith does not invalidate science and doesn't have to fight science. And if someone, if some of you, if you love science... You're not invalidating your faith or someone else's. They work together. The Bible and science in their proper place complement each other. You know, we're in really good company. You start doing uh, doing a little bit of digging, and very quickly, there's some very prominent people that have a lot of letters after their name that can somehow wrap their mind that science and God are not at odds. One of the first pieces of research I did, I was just like, professors who believe in God. And it was like this article that was shocking. Four MIT science professors believe in the God of the Bible. Can you believe it? And it was like this article was just going on about like, can you believe it? How could they? What happened? They must have got stupid really fast. 
know, we're in good company. There's a lot of highly educated folks, even in our own area here, that believe in, believe in and follow God of the Bible, but they're okay with science. You'll hear the very loud noises, but if you dig just a little deeper, you can find a lot of dissenting opinions. And even people that, that don't believe in our God of the Bible but believe in a higher power are like, eh, I just can't make it work without a, some sort of creative mechanism. Here's the list of a few of our own. We have elders at this church. I didn't know this. I knew they were. I, knew the, I didn't know their full history, but uh, we have two of our elders at this church uh, have a little background in science. One of them is the current professor at the university, Randy Brooks. PhD in forest science. He has the biggest class at the University of Idaho. I think he was telling me the other day there's like 180 or 190 people in one of his single classes. And somehow, Dr. Randy Brooks, who's done some homework and understands a little bit about forest science, found a way to be an elder at a church and believes in God and has seen miracles and has been moved by the Holy Spirit. Another one of our elders, Dennis Ferguson, has a PhD in forest ecology. He was a research scientist. He's here all the time doing things. He's, he's so smart. He's so fun to be around. He understands things at just a different level. And as you dig in and start talking with Dennis and Connie, you're like, wow, there's a wealth of wisdom there. And so like some of our very own elders are PhD scientists and understand the God of our Bible and are helping us as we walk through this. One of our uh, links into your notes there, and I put a lot of notes in here because this is part of you doing the work down there. There's a link to a uh, podcast that was done uh, with our former founding pastor, Aaron Couch, and one of our guys who was super involved here, uh, Dusty Van Hofwagen, which is a great name, by the way. Uh, and he has great hair as well. Uh, Dusty uh, got his PhD in microbiology, molecular biology, and biochemistry, and I think he, he worked all that right through here at our University of Idaho. He now teaches. He's been, he worked at a lab over in Hamilton, uh, infectious diseases and studying things uh, at a deep level. He now teaches down in uh, California. We sure do miss him and his family. But uh, there's a great podcast, and he's on that podcast, and our founding pastor's on that, and Gus is facilitating it. Uh, I think it's like 25 minutes long. It was really cool. I encourage you to tap on that link and listen to that. Some more books. There's Discovery Institute, Bios Logos Foundation. Uh, here was a cool one that I uh, listened to was the Bible Project, Tim Mackey. And he did this uh, symposium uh, on science and the Bible. And the particular church that he was in at that time uh, in a university had tons and tons of scientific minds in there. And so they did this uh, podcast, and the first one that I listened to is about 52 or 55 minutes, and it is just really, really cool as you're understanding and hearing uh, what the minds of science think and how it interacts with the Bible. And then there's a book that I'm in the process of listening to, uh, which is a great book. It was recommended by uh, one of my mentors, uh, and the author is Michael Goulian. He's a triple Ph.D., and uh, he was the scientist on ABC News for a long time. And he wrote this book called uh, Believing is Seen. And he kind of walks through at the beginning phases here of what happened with his, with his faith and how he was raised in a church and left the church and then how science brought him back and the different things that he studied. Uh, but PhD in like mathematics, and I can't remember the other two, uh, but this guy is world-renowned for, for his education but somehow found a way to follow the God of our Bible. 
So we have to do the work of strengthening our faith and continuing to stay curious. Don't run away from the hard questions. For those of you students which are back, we are so excited that you're back. I haven't even been hitting a crosswalk or nothing yet. Um, but <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. I'm, I'll probably hit you. No. Um, we're so excited when you come back and the energy that you bring. And as you are engaging your community, as you're engaging uh, the University of Idaho and their awesome teachers there and their awesome professors there, don't be afraid to dive in. Don't be afraid to ask questions. As you, if you run across cross questions uh, and, you're, and you have these, like, there's, 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 there's differing opinions, and it's okay. It's okay. And so engage with us as well as you're engaging in school. We're so glad that you're back. But we have to do the work. We can't be afraid to engage with questions, seeking to understand where, where others come from. We have to do the work. Bring your questions. Let's learn as we follow Jesus together. Speaking of work, our Lord and Savior did some work on this earth. Something that we still celebrate and talk about today. There's a mountain of historical work about Jesus. Who he was, what he did, how he was murdered, and how he rose from death. And so as I wrap up this quick, brief talk that didn't give you the answer, but that hopefully sends you on the journey to be curious, to stay thirsty, as the great Dos Equis commercial says, stay thirsty, my friend. <laughs> to be curious about what God has for you in the Bible. Don't be part of the 9% or the 11% as you engage in your Bible. And, and don't be afraid to engage in science. And don't be afraid to understand what's out there and bring your questions and build your foundation. When you build your foundation, it's so much stronger than when you allow others to build it for you. So you start putting those blocks in and examining those things. So as you're doing that, we come to the point where we get to examine an event that changed history. The death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we come to him for all wisdom and all supreme guidance. And so we're going to take this time to go to communion. If you didn't get communion, Ron will have it, or Dennis. Look at Dennis, scientist, communion server, doing it all. Uh, doing it all for our church. Uh, we celebrate every week. If you're new with us, you're like, what are you doing? Like, if it's, no, every week we do communion. Every single week we take communion together. And we take it in the mindset that we're getting our heart right. We want to remember what Jesus did on the cross. Remember how he asked us to treat others. And how we move in forgiveness and grace and mercy and love as God continues to reveal things about his amazing creation and his, his, his amazing people. So we're going to take this all together. The Lord Jesus... On the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of him. Let's remember what Jesus was like. Let's remember what he did here. Remember how he loved and cared for people and engaged with people. May you all do that as well. Let's take this. Then afterwards, he took the cup. And saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this when you drink of it in remembrance of me. Let's remember who our Lord is and how he engaged in his world.
Father, I just thank you for this uh, time with the folks that came here today as we are seeking to understand you more and more. You put the natural curiosity in each and every one of us. You put the curiosity in man to look up at the stars and wonder what they are, to see the sun come up and to see the, to the, the, the sun uh, set and wonder where it went, to feel the tides move in and out and wonder how that happens. To see the thousands and thousands of amazing creatures that you've made and want to know why you made them and what did you do? What are they here for? What is their purpose? Father God, I just ask that you would just help us to not enter discussions defensive to not enter discussions looking for a fight, but looking for peace, looking for, to bring shalom to your kingdom and to have fun in this creation that you've given us, to investigate it, to explore it, to understand it, to steward it, to take care of it and help us to take care of your most prized creation, your children and the way that we interact with each other and the way that we love each other. I say this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.